Hey again, everybody, and welcome into Locked On Bama. Luke Robinson, along with Jimmy Stein, as always. Jimmy, how are you today? Good, good. Happy, uh, happy Thursday. You know, we've cut this podcast three times today because we've had three screw ups, and you've used that joke every time. <laughs> I'm tired. We're actually- I mean, it's not. It was funnier the first time and less funny the second time. Now it's not funny at all. I just said Happy Thursday, and let's just dispense with the joke and move on to Texas A&M. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that because we could we actually had a nice rant about the Braves getting their ass kicked and um I'm gonna tell I'm gonna tell the story again anyway that I hate the Braves. Jimmy, you love the Braves. I hate the Braves, not because of any baseball reason, because I grew up uh as a poor young farmer in Alexander City. <laughs> no, just, exactly. I, I grew up as a uh, I grew up in Ellic City and we didn't have cable down at the lake where I grew up. And so when I would walk to my grandparents' house after school, I would used to love to go watch Space Giants. And Space Giants was an old Japanese live action Godzilla E type of show that had Goldar and Silvar and and Rodak and all that stuff. And I used to love it. Well, when it whenever TBS was showing the Braves, it would preempt uh, Space Giant, so I wouldn't get to see it. So it always pissed me off as a little kid. And I've harbored that ill will towards the Braves ever since. So um, <laughs> that's where that comes from. So I was thrilled that the Cardinals whipped the Braves ass because it also, to me, I think the Braves take away from the spotlight that is or that should be shining on college football at all times. I don't like the Braves bring together Alabama, Auburn, and Georgia fans. I, I just don't I want every uh, – thing so i think that uh i'm glad that they're out and now it's going to be the cardinals and whoever the hell else they play and i'm not going to follow it because i don't watch baseball because it's college football season so there's that yeah i mean i have a a lot to say in response to all that but one one thing that's certainly true because i'm obviously football first and college football first one one weird dichotomy because the the major league baseball season lasts so long is I get excited about baseball and then it starts It's April and it's spring and I'm really into baseball. It's May and June and, and I'm really into baseball. And then the, the all-star game, which, which I really enjoy in the middle of summer. But then once the all-star game comes and goes and, and you're literally in the middle of summer, as soon as the all-star game's over in early July, I'm like, Oh man, the college football practice starts in a month and I get more and more excited about football and then football practice starts in August and then when the games start in September, that's literally the time the baseball pennant races really heat up. And I admit to losing interest in baseball that I've already followed for five months because I care so much more about the football. And it, it, maybe in maybe in my next life, uh, seasons won't overlap. But the overlapping seasons, it does bother me. I mean, I, I want to be just totally focused on college football once August and September rolls around. I hate when these seasons overlap and the same thing will happen to some extent with football and then basketball. Cause I know you love basketball, but football sort of overlaps into basketball. But by the time postseason basketball rolls around, football's over, but that's when baseball's starting. And, uh, but uh, I guess there's other things to be more consumed with than hatred over the seasons overlapping, but, I think uh, the only Alabama thing that's that's related to the Braves, Brian McCann announced his retirement when the game was over. And uh, so McCann's career is over. And a lot of Alabama fans may have forgotten or don't realize that uh, out of high school, Brian McCann signed with Alabama, never played for, 
for Alabama because he, he took the money and, and uh, signed with his hometown pro team, the Braves, and uh, never played for Alabama. But Brian McCann, uh, as far as I'm concerned, uh, he's a Bammer, just like me and you. Yeah, I'm, I, well, I mean, look, that's the thing. I mean, he's he's a sidewalk alum, like everybody loves to make fun of Bammers about. He's a sidewalk alum. I dig it. I'm I'm for it. I'm pro sidewalk alums. I'm for anybody that cheers for my team for the most part. Um, speaking of which, Alabama and Texas A&M have a game yep. this weekend. If you didn't know that, you probably should not be listening to this we'll podcast. See. You should get yourself a schedule. That's another joke we've already used. I think it was probably – it landed about equally as well. Um but uh, so it takes A&M, Jimmy, let's, let's get into it a little bit. And, yes. and then I think for Friday's podcast, what we'll do is predictions for, of course, the Alabama game, but then other SEC and big games around the country. So what do you think Alabama needs to do to, I mean, I hate to even say stop Texas A&M because to say to stop A&M implies that A&M is very difficult to stop. I don't think they've been just this juggernaut of an offense, but what are you looking for Alabama to do defensively to assist in this win? Well, first of all, they have not run the ball well at all. It's almost been shocking. Uh, they've run the ball terribly the last two or three years. With Travion Williams, this was one of the better rushing attacks in the league. But they haven't run the ball well at all this year. Kellen Mond is dangerous, but he hasn't played well. And for all the fans out there that like, oh, Kellen Mond, he, he's not much. He hasn't shown much. This guy threw for 200 yards and rushed for 100 yards against Alabama last year. So he's he's pretty dangerous. He's the that type of dual threat guy that's caused us problems in the past. So I'm a little worried about uh, about Mond and his dual threat ability. Their wide receiver core is experienced and pretty good. But AM's big problem to me offensively is just a complete inability to run the football, making them one-dimensional. And I'm not sure Kellen Mond is the ideal quarterback uh, to be in a one-dimensional situation. I, I think Travion Williams sort of made him a better player a year ago. So in terms of what Alabama needs to do defensively, it's contain Mond. That was an issue against Ole Miss. Didn't do a great job on the edges containing the quarterback run game. I'm sure that's going to be a point of emphasis this week. And uh, just, just basically not give up a big play. Make AM drive the field, which uh, they really weren't able to do and, uh, against, in their big games against Auburn and Clemson. Let's, let's think of it this way, Luke. I think Alabama fans feel our team – belongs in that elite team conversation, the Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Auburn, uh, the teams so far this year that have proven to be elite. A&M's played two elite teams. A&M was not in either game. They were not in the Clemson game. They were not in the Auburn game. I would say they were soundly beaten. They weren't blown out, but both Clemson and Auburn easily handled Texas A&M. If Alabama doesn't easily handle Texas A&M, Maybe we don't belong in that conversation. So in that sense, it's a, it's a bit of a litmus test for Alabama. If we're in the Clemson class, if we're in the Auburn class, Alabama should easily win the game. Not blow out, because Clemson didn't beat them 56 to nothing, neither did Auburn. But they both won the game handily or easily. So as, as concerning as a trip to College Station would have to be for anyone, because it's a good team, it's a good coach, they got some dudes. They they certainly have a difficult place to play. But Clemson beat them handily. Auburn beat them handily. So should Alabama. 
You know, it's funny you say litmus test for Alabama, and I think you're right, but I think the lit, and maybe this is true for all football games, but it's also a litmus test for Texas A&M because frankly, they're three and two. Uh, they are now staring three and three right in the face. I mean, let's be honest here. You would have to be a dad in the wool Aggie to predict a Texas A&M upset at this point. So you're staring three and three right in the face. And if I'm a Texas A&M fan, I want to see how this team reacts because in the past uh, under Kevin Sumlin, for the most part, this is about the time that everything unraveled because you had guys like um, in in 2014, they they were just embarrassed behind Blake Sims and TJ Yeldon had a big game that day. Um, Even Jake Coker came in late and got a late touchdown to our Darius Stewart. And then, of course, in in 15, we beat up on him again pretty good. And, and frankly, our quarterback proved to be tougher than the guy – than their, I think it was a linebacker that came and hit him pretty close to out of bounds, and, and uh, Coker took him head on and yes. actually knocked him backwards. Uh, uh, then in, in 16, things were no better for him. I mean, you know, Jake uh, – excuse me, um, that was Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts – ran all over them and had a, a dazzling run right towards the end of the game. So they, they just have not now in, uh, I guess it was in 17, they, it was a closer game than it probably should have been. I mean, yeah, Damian the last Harris, game there. Yeah. Damian Harris had a, a nice run against them, like a 75 yarder. And, uh, and then it felt like Alabama was going to blow them out and it just didn't materialize that way. Although I think Alabama was at arm's length for most of the game. Um, you know, but if if you're going to be three and three, it'd be one thing to lose this game, like A and M has done in the past, a fifty nine to nothing type of score, or even a thirty three to ten type of score, something like that. You you would feel like, oh my God, what exactly? Where is this program going under this direction? But if A and M can just if they can make it respectable, if they can cover the spread, um, and and look like they, they're putting some drives together occasionally. I think if I were an A&M fan, I'd feel like, okay, we're three and three, but I see where this thing's headed. It's headed in a good direction. And um, I, it, so I think the litmus test is for them than for us, because frankly, I don't really think I would lose this game short of somebody or maybe several somebody's getting injured. It would certainly take some – Gargantuan. I mean, just Alabama's an 18 point favorite. I'm, I meant to look today, Luke, in terms of like, there, there's all these uh, stats out there that say when you're a six point favorite, you win this percentage of the time. When you're a nine point favorite, you win this percentage of the time. When you're an 18, 18 and a half point favorite, you win almost all the time. So it would, it would really be an enormous upset. On the other hand, on the other hand, Alabama's got some issues. Let's not just be the cheerleader head in the sand. We got issues. We got four true freshmen starting on defense. We can't really punt the ball. They have the best punter in captivity south of J.K. Scott. Their punter can flip the field, even if the field was, you know, between Uranus and Jupiter. Their guy, Brandon Mann, he's unbelievable. Uh, They got a dual-threat quarterback. It's always the type of guy that causes Alabama problems. Uh, it's, 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 it's in their place. Winning any conference game on the road is tough. So, 
Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, there, there, there are some reasons to be alarmed here. It's, it's, it's also, I don't think A and M. I don't think A and M has. I don't think we've seen from A and M is. They're better than this. They're better than they were against Clemson. They're better than they were against Auburn. A and M hasn't played their best game. I'm not sure Alabama has either, but I know A and M hasn't played their best game. So well, there's some reasons to be concerned here. But in the end, 18 and a half point favorites win. Let's just make up a stat. Let's just make it up. They they win ninety percent of the time. Well, it's funny you say that. I, I googled it really quickly, and, it, and an article from 2014 came up from something called Betting Talk. And um, let's see, it, it says as a, for instance, as a as a pick'em, it's fifty fifty. I mean, that makes a little sense. Um, as a three point favorite, the three point favorite wins fifty seven percent of the time. As a 10-point favorite, is 77% of the time. As an 18-point favorite, it's 95% of the time. And yeah, yeah, But what's, what's funny is, because I, I know this can't possibly be true, as a 20-plus favorite, 20-point-plus, it's 100% of the time. So if you're uh, – well. I mean, why even <laughs> play the game? You know, I mean, no, I mean, I know for a fact that, that – It's not 100%. No, that Stanford was like a 39-point underdog to USC that year. They beat them in uh, – actually beat them in Los Angeles under Jim Harbaugh. And I know that uh, – was it Virginia Tech this year lost as a 28-point favorite or something like that? Or, But anyway, um, so I'm wondering the validity of, of this thing because it's like, oh, yeah, it's 100 of the time. If you, I'm like, you would think Vegas would be like, oh God, we cannot put out a 20 point spread because that automatically means everybody's <laughs> going to bet the money line on the win on the team that's favorite. Um, I know. Well, Jimmy, you know, speaking of money lines, if you, you know, had a had some money on the game for Alabama versus Texas A&M, you know what you'd want to do, right? Bet on Alabama. That's true, but you'd also want to go see the game with the newfound money you just had or are about to get, and you'd want to go to Vivid Seats. That's how you get tickets. That's right. Vivid Seats. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let the Vivid Seats app help you get to your favorite live event. Enter promo code KICKOFF at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. Major League Baseball code is postseason. Of course, you Braves fans don't have to worry about that anymore. <laughs> Still carrying around that grudge over not seeing a show that today you would mock. Oh, I would mock it heartily. But at the time, at the time when I was probably, you know, nine years old and I'm walking to my grandparents' house and I turn on that giant TV with those huge knobs they had and um, I finally find TBS after a lot of soul searching. And I see that the Braves, you know, the, the Phillies or the Expos, and it's two to <laughs> nothing close. in the eighth because the, the Braves have Bob, oh, my God, how are you fitting into that uniform, Horner, and Dale <laughs> Murphy. And, you know, I, I mean, it, it was just – it, it was it was it was maddening to me because I walked extra fast. My little fat legs were walking as fast as they could to get to my grandparents' house. And it, it, I mean, my little been the wolf and eating my soul right then, just to, like Little Red Riding Hood is with no space shots. I was like ten when Bob Horner started playing for the Braves. I think <laughs> I think I was ten, 
and now that I'm not only of legal drinking age, I'm twice legal drinking age and, and beyond, I, I'm not sure there is a person on this earth I would rather drink a beer with and watch a game with than Bob Horner. I'm not sure that person exists. Now I am. I think that now, and this may not be the person you want to have a drink with because things may go awry, but have you noticed on Twitter that OJ Simpson is putting a lot of homemade videos with I've him? Dirt with the he was doing one with a fantasy draft and like he had this big old glass of wine, like one of those giant Amy Schumer joke glasses of wine. <laughs> and um he was just knocking that thing back, talking about Antonio Brown and whatever, and talking about how he needs to get his act together. And I'm like, Yeah, you're a murderer. Hey, that's that's the double murderer calling the kettle black right there. I mean, you can't do that, man. You can't do what are you doing? I think it's I, I mean I think OJ Simpson should be on death row. I mean, he should be on death row. He murdered his, 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 his wife and Ron Goldman. He should be on death row. But, but I am endlessly entertained by the idea that OJ Simpson is on Twitter acting like none of that ever happened and that we don't all know exactly what happened. That is like, is this real life? It just, well, and I'll, He's the original guy. He's the original gonna tell us one thing and then obviously not do that thing and not care that we know you're not doing that thing. When he said he's gonna not stop until he finds the real killers. And like he never, I mean, in his defense, he was like, I already know where he is. You know, I don't, have, but he's like, I'm not gonna stop till I find the real killers. And like the next day he was playing golf and, <laughs> you know, it was so in our faces, like, okay, y'all know I did it. I know I did it, but ain't nobody doing nothing about it. I mean, it's kind of funny now looking back 25 years or whatever it is, but it's not funny at all at the same time. Exactly. Um, he puts out these, every tweet, he puts every tweet that's put out for infinity. The comments to the tweets are, you know, the first <laughs> comment is always, you killed that one. <laughs> And yeah, I'm gonna they're... laugh. I'm gonna laugh because I'm an immature idiot. I'm gonna laugh <laughs> at that forever. I mean, every time I'm gonna laugh when someone says, "Well, you killed that one," and I mean, I'm I... gonna laugh every time. It doesn't matter how many times we see it. I'm just gonna laugh every time. The irony of a dude who had to pawn his Heisman Trophy telling Antonio Brown to get his act together <laughs> is just hilarious to me. I mean, there's just something awful and and funny. But anyway, um, so going back to the Alabama game, Saban came out today and actually had some comments about Reichert uh, maybe probable is sounding like, but Chris Owens will be out. Well, this is it. I mean, uh, I th we may have mentioned this earlier in the week, but uh, this this is the deal with Landon Dickerson at center. I'm, I'm excited. I think we're probably putting our five best linemen on the field Saturday. I'm, I'm excited about the fact that the five linemen on the field are going to be Leatherwood at left tackle and Evan Neal at left guard, Landon Dickerson at center, Deontay Brown at right guard, and Jed Wills at right tackle. I think that's the five best linemen we have. I'm excited about that. But here is – the drawback, Landon Dickerson has played center in games. He plays center a lot in practice, and his snaps are a little less accurate than the Braves were tonight in the first inning when they gave up 10 runs to Cardinals. They, 
the snaps from Landon Dickerson can be kind of all over the place. And when you have bad snaps, not only can you have turnovers, it disrupts the timing. And so much of our RPOs are built on timing. So one of the reasons Chris Owens has been the center throughout, and we haven't committed to Landon Dickerson at center uh, starting in game one, is because the snaps have been a little wild. And it's not really a shot at Landon. It's just the fact that Landon didn't play a lot of center until he came to Tuscaloosa. He was not a center at Florida State. He played tackle and guard and, uh, and, and didn't play center. So center's new to him. And while his maturity and smarts, I'm sure he can get the line calls right, uh, it's getting the snaps right. So Saturday, I think a thing for us to watch is how are the center snaps going? Because it's been a problem. Um, now, if Landon nails all the snaps Saturday, I can see him being the center of the rest of the season because his ability is obvious. But you got to snap the ball. Every play starts with the snap. So if you're if the snap is all screwed up, then the play is all screwed up. So I think it's something for us Alabama fans to watch Saturday. Yeah, we got the best five on the field if Landon's snaps are good. And and you know it's tough to put it all put it all on that. But hey, every offensive play doesn't begin with the quarterback. It begins with the center. So let's see how that goes Saturday. I think it's a big, a kind of a big, uh, a big test of what the rest of the year will look like. Because if Landon plays really well Saturday and Deontay Brown gets back to his road grading self at right guard, I can see this being the starting five the rest of the year. But if Landon's snapping it all over the place, then Chris Owens will be back at center. And when that happens, then ha- then where is Landon going to play? Because it's kind of hard to imagine him not being in the lineup. Okay, we've only got about seven more minutes worth of recording time on this free recording thing we do, and we're too cheap to buy more time. So That's I want to ask two things very That's quickly. Us. Number one, did you know that did you know that Chris Owens is also the name of like a really famous, moderately burlesque? show in uh, Vegas where it's like a, a really one of those deep dyed dark like deep forest dark um haired women and she's she's got you know huge boobs and she's she's always wearing like a lot of glitter but she's also like in the in the poster she looks about 48 but you know you just know even through the poster that she's probably like 62 and she's a, a really f- I mean, not not famous, but like a famous enough person to be on billboards. And I'm not saying she might be at the Golden Nugget or the, you know, the Bronze Nugget. She's at a nugget. I don't know where she is. But um, so anyway, I just, I just thought that was funny because I was in Vegas earlier this year and I saw that. I was like, Chris, I was like, man, he's. He's really stepping out, but, you know, he's making up for the, I guess she's taking the spring off to do some work here in Vegas. But also is London Dickerson the one guy, if you, if they said, okay, who's the one guy on the Alabama team you would not want to fight? I think for me, it'd be Raekwon Davis because, you know, Raekwon looks like the kind of guy that Captain America would tell, hey, Raekwon smash, you know, I mean, he just, and he also got shot one night and played football the next day. I mean, which is something I've never heard of. But um, <laughs> but but is Landon Dickerson even meaner than him? Uh, I would imagine, and you know, in practice, they go up against each other all the time. I'd imagine those Landon Dickerson and Raekwon fights are a lot like the Avengers films, where they fight each other 
Uh, you think it'd be, be like Space Giants, like Goldar against Rodak? I was I was too busy wait. See the opposite. I, I was the opposite. I'm like, God, when is this show going to end so Bob Horner and Dale Murphy can take the field? Or <laughs> if you interview Horner another thirty minutes? Don't start that show. You know what? So, I, I never. I'll tell you this though. If you you don't even know who Rodak is, I bet. But I have never seen Bob Horner and Rodak in the room at the same place at the same time. I can tell you that they've got the same hair. <laughs> Bob Horner hit four home runs in a game once. I bet in he, I bet he in Japan, beer. probably shot a beer between each 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 at bat. Oh, I bet you he ate, he won a hot dog eating contest between the sixth and seventh <laughs> innings. <laughs> That's why he's like the greatest brave ever. But now, wasn't he like a superstar in Japan? I mean, like he went to Japan and just killed it. He did. He did spend some time in Japan, and recently. Uh, actually saw a photo of Bob Horner uh, in Atlanta with Dale Murphy at Dale Murphy's restaurant. And uh, it immediately sent me to Wikipedia to remind myself of the whole Bob Horner experience. And check this out. This, this will shock, this will shock anyone there. Horner had a really good career with the Braves, then became a free agent. Uh, He signed with the Cardinals, uh, this was during a time there was a collusion lawsuit by players against the owners. And Horner was a big part of that. He, he became, you know, he was an unrestricted free agent, thought he was going to get all this money because his numbers were good. People don't, people think of Bob Horner as a, he either struck out or hit a home run. Bob Horner actually hit 312 one season. I mean that's that's pretty good for a home run hitter, middle of the lineup guy hitting three twelve. Hey, you know, hey, in, look, in the he, he hit his weight. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. He was, you know, in golf he, you always want to shoot your age, and uh, in in baseball he hit his weight. I dig it. John Cruck is as big as Horner, but but Cruck hit three twelve, but he only hit like six home runs. Horner was hitting you know forty dingers. So anyway, Horner. Uh, was part of it. He didn't sign for the money he thought he would get, had a disappointing year with the Cardinals and left, and he, he went to Japan. But while Horner was in Japan hitting hitting Japanese dingers all over the place, he won his lawsuit against Major League Baseball for collusion and was awarded something like $12 million by a court. Oh, my so, God which is a lot of money and it's not easy to p- prove that, but I had completely forgotten all that stuff, but Horner felt like his career was cut short and he was jobbed out of a lot of money uh, by this collusion and a court of law felt, uh, felt that he was, but Horner won a lot of money in a lawsuit against major league baseball. I, I, I had totally forgotten all that stuff, but that's why Horner retired fairly healthy and and young at like 31 32 years old there's probably some probably some game left in that dude at the time he, he <laughs> no, left there's there's no game left and there's uh, some game left you, in that dude I, I remember I remember when he hit those 40 home runs cuz he joined the 40 40 club he hit 40 dingers and ate 40 ding-dongs <laughs> <laughs> that's him you remember his career better than I do that's I do. why I had to go to wikipedia <laughs> You remembered it. All right. Well, Jim, hey, we, we don't have any time left, bro, but uh, we, we will do our predictions 
tomorrow and they will be available in two days look we're, we're tired of doing this joke we're doing we're cutting this on wednesday night so it's available thursday sometime just deal with it and then we're going to cut friday's podcast on this? thursday afternoon hey, and this is one thing we're going to do how about ready for this you don't even you don't even know about this but next week we're going to have our, our first guest yes we're going to have our first guest next week as soon as we figure out the technology but i think we got it and check this out he was invited this past weekend to Grapevine, Texas, and participated in the mock selection committee. They have a mock selection committee thing where members of the media are bought there and they go through the exact same process, the athletic directors and all the members of the committee that pick the playoff teams. They do a mock thing with members of the media so the media can better educate themselves and report on what exactly happens when the committee meets to pick the playoff teams and uh, Randy Kennedy uh, noted mobile and uh, writer for AL.com mobile radio personality. He was one of the very small handful of people picked to do that. And uh, Randy will be on our show next week. And that's awesome. Ask him a hundred questions about he was playing the part of Scott Strickland, the Florida athletic director, who's a member of the Jimmy. So see you next week, Roll Tide. (laughs) Roll Tide, everybody.